Hey everybody, welcome to L Dude Brothers Podcast, episode 62, Kid Farm. My name is Sean, and all I can think about is death. And my name's Laura, and it's better this than the park, mate. You really want to kill yourself at the park. <laughs> <laughs> this episode hit really close to home. Yeah. In some I've regards. I've got so much to say about soft play centres. I hate them, and I can't wait to go on a rant about soft play centres. As we've established from our talk off air, I'm in just a bad mood with life, so I'm going to let rip on soft play centres. Oh, okay. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, we took my niece to a trampoline park, and that was a lot of fun. We've got a trampoline park, like, really near my house, and we went there for... So my antenatal group all meet up every so often, and, and we always do, like, a Christmas meet-up with the kids, and we took them to this trampoline park last Christmas when they were three, just, like, three and a half. Oh, it was carnage. It was absolute carnage with them... All the six of them, they ran in six different directions, literally bouncing off the walls. And it was like, why did we do this? <laughs> <laughs> what was funny was when Nicole and I went, we uh, were like, oh, hey, let's go jump in one of the trampoline things. And so we were jumping in one of the little trampoline areas. And I was just like, my God, I'm going to tear my ACL if I do this. Like, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> I always think I can. Oh, yeah. Like, I did trampoline in that school. It was part of our PE lessons. And whenever I go to trampoline park, I think, oh, yeah, bust and moves. But then forget I'm, like, twice the age I was when I did that. And I think, fuck, I'm unfit. And I'm going to, like, yeah, break a hamstring. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> but they're so fun. You can't Trust not me. jump on a trampoline. Yeah, I know. You can't not jump on a trampoline. But then, uh, yeah, but then you're doing it and you're like, oh, my God, I hope my health insurance covers me if I just obliterate my knee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah, I'm going to... This is it. This will be. This will be what puts me in a wheelchair. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my god. They're, I'm gonna have to go to a hospital, and they will be like, "Oh, so you know, were you like doing something athletic? Were you, you know, like uh, participating in something respectful, a high impact sport?" Yeah, yes. And I'll be like, "A grown up sport." No, I. Yeah, I, I stepped wrong on a trampoline and <laughs> twisted my knee, and now I don't have ligaments. So thanks, thanks a lot. They do birthday parties at our local one. And before we went with all the kids, I thought, oh, that'd be a good birthday party. And once we'd, we'd done it with six children, I thought this would be a terrible birthday party. Imagine supervising that. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, it was the same thing for my niece, too. It was a birthday party and it was uh, kind of carnage. Yeah, absolute hell. There was like 20 kids and they all just took off in 20 mm, different directions. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well. Fuck. I'll just stand here and watch then, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they, they yeah. locked the fire exit, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they probably no poisonous snakes. <laughs> no, probably, let's hope not. All the fire exits are, are locked. <laughs> uh, so how are you feeling about going into the penultimate episode? Ah, it's so weird. Uh, I've, the more I say it, the weirder it sounds. That we are, we are on episode 53 of 54. Like, it's just... It's so crazy to me to think that a year and a half ago, when you and I started this journey, the end just seems so far away. You know, we mm. were in series like fucking two at this, or we were probably like series three at this point. Yeah, no, it was, I, I came along on like the penultimate episode, I think, of, of series two. And I agree with you. I just can't believe that it's, it's, it's come to this. We're nearly at the end. Oh, I know. It's going to be crazy. Uh, we'll talk about that a little more after the episode is okay, over. Because cool. you and I have some ideas for what we want to do for the next episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
were you like what did you remember of this episode because i'll be honest i really did not remember much of this episode so i remembered enjoying it and i remembered the the soft play element because by this point i had a child and i'd take a child who was old enough to harold sadie was like 16 17 months by the time this aired so she was in the soft play zone we went to soft play and it really resonated with me because i hate as i've mentioned i hate soft play um and the other thing i really remembered from this episode was the uh super hand saying he's going straight edge and that molly won't even let him live stream the spurs because that's something that my husband says quite often like in a kind of like oh you know my wife won't let me do anything i can't even live stream the spurs so that, I knew that that line was from this episode. Uh, and I'm assuming, so I'm assuming by Spurs, he's meaning the Tottenham, Tottenham Spurs, Spurs or whatever yeah. the fuck they're... Yeah, that football team. We, they, yeah, they're just, they're Spurs. Everyone calls them Spurs. All right, well, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I was, there's a American uh, basketball team called the San Antonio Spurs. Right, okay, yeah. I don't I don't even know what a so, hotspur is. Is it a kind of, I think it's a kind of bird... It's for, a, I believe it is for a chicken. Yeah, because the Tottenham's emblem is like a little bird standing on a football. Yeah, it's a cock. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Not a literal cock, yeah, but like no, the bird cock. I, uh, I, I understand. <laughs> uh, anyways, so we kind of kicked this episode off. Oh, one thing I was really irritated about this episode, IMDb had no information on any of the locations that this episode was filmed in. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you say that because I spent some time looking for where Super Hansi's flat was because it really looks like a, a development that my friend lives in in Car Shorten, which is not a million miles away from Croydon and the kind of general area where they film. And probably it's just that it's built by the same developer and really looks like it, but... I was I googled for ages trying to find any information and I could find none. Yeah, I was I was getting frustrated because I was looking all over the place trying to figure out at least at a minimum where the kid cave was because the kid cave had mm. to be a real business. I mean, they yeah. used real businesses in the past. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's got to be they wouldn't have made that. It's a too big a set to make. Yeah. Let me see. Oh. It looks like, boy, it's amazing what happens when you just type in Kid Cave at Thornton Heath, and it looks like it is a place called Toddler World. Oh, okay. At Thornton okay. Heath it's, Leisure uh, Center. Soft. Uh, Thornton Heath uh, is like over in, near Croydon, isn't it? Yeah, it says a soft play area near Croydon. Uh, okay. I can't find out if this place is still open or not. I'm sure it is. These places do an absolute roaring trade. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Um, so anyway, so we kind of kick off and with some nachos and jalapenos. Um, <laughs> but uh, we kind of start We start the episode with Mark, and he's laying out all these like educational tools and cards all over his desk, and he's you know thinking about how excited he is that Ian is coming over because he's got some new Mandarin flashcards to take it up a level. And um, my little niece, Charlie, she is um, currently in a Mandarin intensive school right now. Um, so half the day is in English, half the day is in Mandarin, and she's like five. Wow, that's that's intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, well, Mandarin is the fastest growing language in the world, so my sister wants her to get started young as 
learning Mandarin. Jesus, that's that's good going. I mean, Sadie's a little bit younger, but trust me, I was I've been taking it into her class in the mornings, and you can barely get those kids to sit down, let alone uh, learn Mandarin. So good for Charlie. Well, they teach them they teach them songs, so they they don't like they're not from what I understand they're not teaching them just like the language they're teaching them songs and the kids are learning the songs and then they explain you know like what the songs mean right okay gotcha that's i suppose it's it is easier to learn a foreign language in song isn't it that's i did french at school and we learned a lot of bullshit songs yeah hey cats which one's that oh he's (laughs) yeah he's sitting right on my shoulder (laughs) sounded like he was literally talking into the mic yeah i know he's really really close i don't know what he wants i'll probably leave that in because he's fucking adorable but also super annoying sometimes um oh my god hold on a second uh jeremy walks in and says oh i see you're sticking with the program poor little bastard doesn't even get a jaffa cake and mark mentions that he's turning ian into a super toddler the chocolate reward in sight but just always out of reach he's going to learn how to de- defer all of his gratifications so hard Oh, poor old Ian. I feel really quite sorry for him. Yeah, I do too. I don't... This is not the way... I don't think this this works. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I don't plan on doing any of this to our child. No, I I think you've got to... You know, children, especially the first few years, like, they really do learn through play. And I don't think... I think all that uh, Mark's doing is he's kind of going to give Ian a breakdown. That's, That's the situation. How old do we think Ian is in this episode? Uh, so he mentions him being a toddler, and then we see him, don't we? And he looks about my younger daughter's age, so or maybe a little bit older. I'm going to say he's about two and a half here, three, maybe three. No older than yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy asks Mark when he's going to finally get all his gratification, and Mark just says, I don't know, sort of all at once when I finally dive into my pension pot. <laughs> And Jeremy just says, oh, are you going to ejaculate into a pile of M&S cashmere jumpers and cruise brochures? And Mark just is like, I'd never masturbate into cashmere. (laughs) And then kind of in the background, we hear Superhand saying, oi, Jez, and then the doorbell rings. Um, Am I the only one who, when when Mark says about diving into his pension pot, I imagine him literally jumping into like a a Scrooge McDuck pile of coins. That's what happens in my head. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, so Superhands, um, it says, oh, because you mentioned that because the doorbell was wrong. Mark opens the door and it is Sophie for the first time in a long time in about two yeah. seasons. Here is Sophie. I was trying to, if I had thought about it, I probably would have gone back to see when the last episode she was in. Was. I don't think she's been in it since season seven. I think that's the last time we see her is series seven. All right. So last episode she was in was New Year's Eve. Which is series six or seven? Seven? It's the seven finale. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. So she's been absent for a long time. Yeah, in real world, in real life, it was five years that she was gone. Yeah, that's, um, I remember when they were filming this and it was about this time, whenever, what year that was, three years ago, uh, because I remember Robert Webb tweeting saying that it was over, they'd finished filming and that, um, and he retweeted uh, Olivia Coleman, who was there's a picture of her crying between Robert Webb and, and David Mitchell, and it was really it was really sad. Aww. But uh, I gotta say, 
she looks really rough in this episode. And I'm sure it's makeup because she's not normally like a rough looking woman. They made her look extra rough this episode. Yeah, she looks, I agree with you, she looks like someone who drinks. (laughs) That was what I thought was they, they'd done that really well. She, I believe that Sophie spent the last uh, few years drinking. Yeah, I would uh, totally envision that as well. Also, Sophie, at the start, what's weird is that, at the, I mean, at the start of, of Peep Show, she's she's very sort of youthful and bouncy, isn't she? And they've done a really good job of just, like, she looks broken by life here. Yeah, well, I think uh, a lot of that can be to, uh, because of Mark. Yeah, I think so, too. Um so Mark uh, says hello to Sophie and then notices that she's not got anyone with her and goes to ask where Ian is and she just says, she cuts him off and says, don't start, he's with my mum. Yeah, is it okay if we do this tomorrow, meet us at the kid cave? And Mark looks a little annoyed because he says he's been preparing all sorts of great IQ games. He stuffed a, pinata, a pinata, he's filled it with nature facts and the odd carob-covered raisin to keep his morale up. <laughs> and Sophie just doesn't really seem interested in any of this. No, she says she's sorry, but she's got to talk to him and ask if he's got any beers in, um, which you should cover this bit, I think. Mark, throwing some mad shade at Americans here, says, this isn't America, Sophie. I don't keep random beers in. <laughs> and I have to laugh at this line every single time because it's so true. I seriously think that I'm like one of the only people that doesn't keep beer in their house because everybody I know keeps beer in their house. But I also don't think that keeping beers in your house is like such a weird thing. So I was thinking about this because I don't, we don't, we don't drink at home. Like if the only time we would drink at home would be like Christmas or maybe on someone's birthday and someone might bring a bottle of wine or sometimes I might drink with my friend Jenna. Like she might come around when the kids are in bed and fills out. But but as a matter of course, like day in, day out, we don't drink at home. But most people I know do drink at home. So most people I think would have some sort of alcohol in. Yeah, it just, it seems weird to me that Mark thinks it's such an American thing to keep beer inside your house. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's particularly American. Uh, we've got a massive drinking problem in this country. I think most people have probably got <laughs> some kind of alcoholic beverage they could offer a guest. I currently don't have any beers in. I've got half a bottle of white wine I use for cooking, if anyone wants it. But uh, Sophie is okay with the fact that there's no beer there as long as there's some rum. And Mark thinks to himself, man, she's a bit rum keen. Um, (laughs) They walk into the kitchen, and I think Sophie just looks like such a hot mess here. (laughs) And Mark is kind of trying to figure out, like, what happened. And we find out that uh, Sophie and Duncan... And is it ever really established what kind of relation she has with Duncan. No, I mean, I'm guessing he's a boyfriend and he's a teacher. That's the only two things we find out. Do we even find out he's a teacher or is it implied that he's a teacher? Oh, just teaching uh, maths and tag team in the Mandarin flashcard. No, so I've just made the assumption that he's a teacher. It says he's like a tutor or something. Uh, well, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it just says how well he tutors. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know. I assume he's a teacher of some kind. I imagine like some kind of bespectacled leather patches on his tweed coat bearded teacher man yeah kind of like my husband uh, but mark really likes duncan sexless unthreatening duncan teaching him maths and tag teaming the mandarin flashcards. sophie says that duncan is a great guy but he's a shit <laughs> and um Mark is like, oh, okay, because since Duncan's been around, Ian's scores have been through the roof, and Sophie looks appalled that Mark is, like, IQ testing their son. Yeah, um, 
and Mark tries to justify this by saying that it's just a bit of basic intelligence testing. He says he does it to him and Jess as well, just to keep track. Um, and uh, he uh, he sort of he's really sort of trying to justify this. And and Sophie says, "Well, you know that Duncan tutors it." And Mark says, "Of course he does." When he saw it, how he and could hold a pen, he nearly shat himself. Yeah, and uh, I think that's really funny because I hold pen really goofy. Uh, is it? Uh, so. I was trying to think about this. Like, is it something? It must be something you're taught, because no one's born knowing how to pick up a pen, but I can't remember being taught it as a child. Uh, I think that we had these, like, pencil grips. Oh, yeah, like triangular things. I remember those. But I never held it properly with a pencil grip. Are I you, like. Are you left-handed? No, I'm right-handed, but I, like... Hold on, I, let me grip a pen. So the proper way is you kind of... You have your pointer, your middle, and your thumb. Your and thumb's you kind on the of, bottom, yeah. I'm holding a pen right yeah. now, yeah. I kind of hold, I kind of, I kind of hold my pen like a, or my pencil like a chopstick. Right, okay, yeah, gotcha. So, instead of holding it with the tip of my middle finger, it's like smushed against the side of my middle finger. Right, yeah, understood. Sophie mentions that he's getting a little fucking cozy with Allison, some bitch, some floozy named Allison, <laughs> who has a goddamn Mazda, and, uh... Mark is kind of confused at who Allison is, and Sophie's like, oh, you remember Allison? Oh, look at my floaty dress, Sophie. Is it too much for the pub? And Mark is like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. And uh, Sophie says she thinks Duncan is having an affair. Yeah, um, but Mark says he doesn't think that she she should be so hasty. Um, maybe everything is going to run its course between Duncan and Allison, and Sophie is incredulous at this. She's like, oh, so you think I should just wait till he's bored of humping her? Yeah, and uh, Mark says that he thinks that Duncan just sounds like a real catch and that people are multifaceted, and then to himself he thinks, just let him get Ian started on the viola in ancient Greek. <laughs> we then cut to Jeremy's room with Jeremy and Superhands, uh, and Superhands is asking Jeremy if he remembers Grandma's boner in the mid-noughties when they teamed up with Perpetual <laughs> Spinach, did a bit of Turbo Folk. All the whores of Malta, says uh, Jez, and Superhand says, yep, exactly. Uh, well, it turns out that whores of Malta has been picked up. It's on a skills track for a Henta Berlin defender, and he shows him a YouTube video of a, yeah, a footballer, and it's some terrible electro-trance stuff. Yeah, at all protected, at all protected. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, and Jeremy is really pleased by this, and just to compound his joy, Superhands hands him a check for £250. Yep, and Jeremy just screams out, like, oh my god, Mark, <laughs> I've done a thing. But Jeremy's big concern is, if you do a search for it, will his name come up? Because he's pretty sure that Joe searched and nothing came apart, except from something he wrote on a forum about how Moby was overrated and should be killed. And his DNA expunged from humanity. Were you a Moby fan at all back in the day when Moby was hot shit? So I never really, no, I was never really a fan. But that first album is like, it's great to sort of chill out to. It is it is one I've got in the car and will like listen to if I want to just relax. Were you a Moby fan? I loved Play. That is like yeah, one of my favorite it's, albums. It's a great album. But you can't, you can't slag it off. Well, Jez would, but I'm not going to. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's no prodigy, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, does anything come up for you if you Google you? Hmm, I don't know. Let's see here. I'm kind of scared. Now. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. No. 
then uh, Superhand says this is going to come up on the internet now if he Googles himself. And Jeremy then notices on the video that it says lyrics by Superhands. And he sarcastically said, ah, you wrote those lyrics on your own, did you? And Superhands is like, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And Jeremy says, definitely didn't. <laughs> and Hand says that he's pretty sure he helped. And Jeremy just says no. Um, Jeremy tries to convince him to change the credits to a shared song. And Superhand says... Uh, yeah, sure, I'll speak to the guy, although there is a small chance that it might not be possible. And there's this weird, like, interaction between the two where Jeremy clearly does not trust Superhands to do this. No, um, and Superhands tries to kind of take the focus off the, the, the credit and says, you know, at the end of the day, the headlines are, we did a track, everybody loves it. And he says that the rest of it is just being counting for the breadheads. Um, and Jeremy says he agrees with them. Truth to power, but in his head he thinks that he needs to get away from him and count his beans because he thinks Superhands is trying to nick some of his beans. <laughs> um, we go back to the kitchen with Mark and Sophie and they're drinking rum, apparently. And um, Mark asks Sophie if, he, if she wants some bread to go down as ballast. And Sophie is just like, you're my ballast, Mark. And Marcus just says, thank you. You stopped me from flying off. You're my ballast. <laughs> and now it's getting to the point where Mark is like, uh, stop calling me your ballast. This is a little weird. Yeah, it's passive aggressive. Sorry, I've just clicked on that picture of you and I love your serious scholar face. That was, that's made my day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so Sophie then says that this might sound crazy, but why don't you move into Nana's cottage with us? And Mark is taken aback by this, as was I. And I remember the first time I saw it as an audience member, and I thought, oh my god, is this where this is going then? Is he going to move in with Sophie? Yeah, Sophie says that we could just be a fucked up family. You're my ballast, Mark. And Mark turns it around on her, and he tells Sophie that she's his ballast too. And Mark says that, or thinks to himself that he'll be saying no to a lifetime of <laughs> passive-aggressive ballast calling. Um at this point, the, door, the doorbell rings, Mark gets up and opens the door, and it is April. Yeah, she says she's sorry for turning up like this, but she's been walking around the block, and she wanted to talk to him. Um, and we recall that last time they saw each other was her leaving quickly after she'd kissed him on coke. Yeah. Um, and Mark is like, oh, God, talk, yes, very quietly at the door. He kind of looks back, and he sees Sophie kind of, like, almost like a zombie into the bathroom <laughs> and Mark just thinks to himself, yeah, come in and meet my ex-wife, the drunk. And, um, April says, I'm sorry. I just want to put everything on the table. And Mark thinks to himself, get this shit off the table. And April says they had a nice time together. There's obviously a mutual attraction. Mark wonders if they're having sex on the table. And April says, but the kiss was wrong. And Mark thinks to himself, not wrong. Right. And April says, we kissed a line, we crossed a line, and I don't think we should see each other anymore. Um, don't you think it's a bit weird in a way that she's come to tell him that she doesn't think they should see each other anymore? Because surely in that situation, like, I've never really been in that situation, but God knows I've had some embarrassing encounters. Just ghost him, like, block his number and move on. Like, it, it's clearly the fact that she comes to his front door to tell him she's not going to see him anymore shows that she wants to see him more. Yeah, I think that that's what they're kind of implying here. Yeah. Um, um, go on. Go ahead. Um, so um, he then kind of 
stops her from going and says, you know, could we talk about this tomorrow? He's taking his son to a play centre. The kid gave, you could bring your niece, it might be fun. And she says that she's sorry she can't. Um, goodbye is like the simplest way and goes. And he thinks like, God, goodbye April, the dream, the dream is crumbling. Yeah. And uh, as this, as this hap, as April walks out, Sophie kind of walks back and looks at Mark and, you know, says, oh, who is that? And Mark says, oh, you know, somebody from the past. And Sophie is drunk and she just says, ah, oh, you love people from the past, don't you, Mark? Like Napoleon. And Mark responds, yeah, but that wasn't Napoleon. And Sophie just says, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that always makes me laugh, that bit. Oh, like Napoleon, it wasn't Napoleon. Um, we yeah. then are in the kitchen still, but later Sophie's gone and it's just Mark and Jez. Um, Mark's buttering his toast uh, as he as he has done for for years, and he thinks uh, butter the toast, eat the toast, shit the toast. God, life's relentless, and I, I I guess that's a callback to him buttering the toast all those years ago, and us showing that he hasn't nothing's really changed for Mark. Yep, I think so too. Um, um, he says that the April door closes and the Sophie door opens. The loveless marriage. Cut his cock off and <laughs> stick it in a jar. <laughs> Um, uh, so, yeah. Oh, Jeremy walks in and he says, I slept on it, but actually I couldn't sleep because I became filled with this boiling feeling of rage and now I decided it's the worst thing that ever happened. I, you know, I feel like this is a very Jeremy overreaction here, but at the same time, I could kind of understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I think I'd be pissed off as well. And also, Jeremy's not got, Jeremy's not got a lot of, like, professional pride, has he? He's never he's never done anything or had a proper job or like this will mean a lot to Jeremy because this is like, this is the the only kind of thread of professional pride that he could possibly cling to. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Jeremy says that Joe's beginning to realize that Jeremy is a loser and it's very important that he does not realize that Jeremy is a loser. Is this our first Joe-less episode this season? <laughs> think it might be yeah i think so we don't see him at all do we um he then he says again that he's not a loser and mark says that really does he think that an aggressive campaign to claim shared credit for the lyrics on a little bit of song on an internet football video is that going to make him look like a winner i think you need to let this go um <laughs> and then he says take the advice of a man who's been scientifically proven to have above average intelligence and jeremy just groans at this I, I like this where uh, Mark has this like piece of paper and it has like a little bell curve on it and it has like him on the right side of the bell curve and then he's got another one that's with Jeremy's and it's Jeremy's is like way on the left side of the bell curve. <laughs> um, and Jeremy says that he wasn't concentrating when Mark made him do the test, uh, which which always makes me laugh because that's exactly what kids say when they do badly at school. But we find out that Mark actually cheated on his IQ test and that he doesn't really have a 133 IQ. No, have you ever done an IQ test? Yeah, sure. We'll say yes. Have you? No, have you not done one? I, I, if I have, I honestly don't remember what it was. Okay, so I, I know I did one in sixth form. I remember like having it done to me. And but I couldn't remember for the life of me like what was good and what was bad, so I was googling it. But apparently, if he's one three three, that is like the bit before genius. So Mark is claiming apparently to be 
you know, basically Stephen Hawking, which seems unrealistic. He claimed <laughs> the cheating, including <laughs> quite a lot of cheating. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Um, we, uh, uh, oh, there's this really funny part where Mark, you know, thinks to himself, you know, oh, so what if I had a bit of help? Uh, who, you know, the way to win is looking stuff up on the internet. Jeremy says that he doesn't need a stupid IQ to test to tell him that he's three times smarter than Mark. And Mark asks him what three times 133 is. Do you know what that is off the top of your head? Oh, uh, 399. Yeah, I don't understand why Jeremy has such a hard time with this. No, it makes me laugh, though, how he does it, because this is exactly how I do math. So math has never been my strong point. Like, I think, actually, in the future, they'll probably discover that dis- dyscalculia is as prevalent as dyslexia, and I think I've probably got it, because numbers absolutely befuddle me. But um, I always imagine, so when I'm adding things up in my head, things more complicated than than 133 times 3, I imagine, like, dots in formations that I know were first taught to me when I was in, like, reception at primary school. So the fives are in, like, a little formation, like, on a dice, and that's how I do it. And I think that Jeremy has not progressed past Key Stage 1 maths either. I think we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, but yeah, I do. I break it down the way that Jeremy does it, where I just break everything down into a 100s, 10s, and 1s group. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't terrible at maths, and I did. I scraped through my GCSE and got, I got a B in the end. It was fine. But that was for a lot of, like, graft, and I'm not, I'm just naturally not very good with numbers. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jeremy tells Mark to fuck off because now they all have calculators in our pockets, just like our math teachers said we wouldn't. And I love this line because um, my Algebra 2 teacher would always say, well, you're, no, you need to know this because you're not always going to have a calculator with you. Wrong dickhead. <laughs> yeah, wrong dickhead. Um, at this point, Jeremy gets a text message from Superhands who says that they can't change the credit because the net has run out of web space and they don't have enough bytes left to add, add his name. So do you think that Superhands is purposefully being a dickhead here, or do you think that he is just lazy and doesn't really care? Um, I think he's probably being a bit lazy and doesn't really care, and I also think that he's monopolizing on the fact that Jeremy is, as Mark says, below average intelligence. Like, Jeremy's quite naive in some ways, isn't he? He'll swallow, especially with Superhands, he'll swallow whatever Superhands tells him, so I think Hands just can't be asked, and he's just formidable. Yeah, 100%. Um, Mark kind of says as much and he says do you think he might be taking advantage of you because you're mentally subnormal and have the brain the size of a pea <laughs> and Jeremy says that this track is his Citizen Kane and Mark is like the lyrics you want to claim credit for that's the electronic voice saying at all protected at all protected and Jeremy says yes those are his words um, Jeremy then says he remembers that he wrote them because he was reading the small print on his plane ticket when he came up with the I sorry no no on Mark's plane ticket when he came up with the idea, and um, and Jeremy's like oh you've cracked the case like this is it it was your plane ticket and then I remember you talking about the Civil Aviation Authority and how asshole protection wasn't something to make light of and Mark kind of is stopped in his tracks there and he's like that does sound like something I'd say and Jeremy's like yes I knew I wrote them and now I've got the proof 
Yeah, I love that where Mark is just like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> um, Jeremy then changes the subject and says, you're not thinking of getting back with Sophie, are you? Isn't it a bit of a depressing backwards step? And Mark says, basically, that he has no choice, really, because the April thing's kaput. Like, he's only got the choice of this, these two things. Yeah, I like this. It's either, it's either Sophie or April, one or the other, but not both. Yeah. Um, and he says, you know, Mark says maybe that is life. Your expectations get ground down until finally you settle for a life that would have mortified you 20 years ago. But, but now it seems like a blessed relief. Jeremy explains that this is the journey of life, like Radio 1, Radio 2, classic FM, Heart Magic did. And <laughs> This makes me laugh because he... my, um, my I, I don't completely agree with that, that chain of radio stations, but definitely my parents are in like the classic FM, or my dad certainly is in the classic FM bracket now, and I'll get in his car and he'll be like, can we not, though? And he's like, I love classical music, it's just so peaceful. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's this line like makes me giggle because even though I don't, as you know, obviously, I don't listen to those stations here, but I get kind of and I I have an idea of what these stations sound like in my head, and it really cracks me up because I feel like it's probably the same thing here. Magic is so the one before death. My in a car I used to own way back, my radio broke, and the only station it could pick up was Magic, and this station is like, it's. I'm not exaggerating when I say if you listen to magic for an hour, you feel like you've been on a tempestuous journey of love. Like it's those, you know, like those eighties power ballads. That's the sort of thing they play. Mm. Like, like um, Africa by Toto. That's, that's a big one. And it got to the point that I was like, I actually like driving in silence is horrible, but I'm going to fucking crash this car into a tree just to not have to listen to this anymore. Right? It's <laughs> maddening. So I drove around in silence rather than listening to magic FM for a year. See, because in my head, that's what Heart would play. No, Heart is more kind of like upbeat, like a bit like in um, Car Share, you know, the sort of songs that are played on um, on the radio station on Car Share. That's what Heart's like. Ah, okay. Like pop, makes sense. poppy, modern pop. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of Car Share, we were at a wedding yesterday and they played uh, a instrumental cover of Birdhouse in Your Soul by They Might Be Giants, and I was really excited. Oh, that's such a nice song to have at a wedding was that in the ceremony uh it was right after the ceremony so it was uh um it was kind of a like a vow renewal ceremony right and so uh yeah they were walking out and then all of a sudden there's this like little instrument instrumental cover it's like and i was like oh my fucking god it's my song i was so excited oh i like that so in Sadie's Nicole wasn't because I started singing it and Nicole <laughs> hates when I sing. In um Sadie's new school, they've got in the mornings as the kids are going in, they play songs like in the playground, I suppose, to get everyone like geared up for the day. And the other day they were playing um Dream You Make My Dreams Come True by Hall of Notes, which was the song that me and Phil walked back down the aisle from when we got married. And I told Sadie Aww. and I told Sadie this and I was like I was doing a little little mum dance and she was like, Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've become that guy. <laughs> um, Jeremy asks Mark if Mark remembers what to say, and Mark just says, My recollection, so far as it goes, is that Jeremy did indeed, quote, make significant contributions to the lyrics in question, 
i.e. the words Atoll Protected. <laughs> and they knock on the door and it's Super Hands and Jeremy says that he's brought Super Hands a uh, Panatoni. Panatoni. Yeah. yeah. Uh and Jeremy or Super Hands says that's sweet and he asks what it is and he says he doesn't know and Mark says it's like a dry old Italian cake. Is that something and Jeremy you have kind, in, is that something that, that turns up on the shelves to, of America? Uh, I had to look it up to see what it was, so no, we do not really have weird. those it's as far as I know. It's a really weird phenomenon. Like, I don't know when it started, probably less than 10 years ago, someone just decided that panettones were an appropriate thing to have in the bread aisle. I don't get it. It's like fruit bread, but, I mean, Mark completely sums <laughs> it up when he says dry old Italian cake. Yeah. Um, before Mark can even really finish saying the uh, the speech that Jeremy has instructed him to say, uh, Superhand says, "Fine, you are part of a creative milieu. You contributed to an in, in, to engendering a vibe out of which emerged my lyric." And Jeremy is very defensive about this, and he says, "I wrote it." And Superhand says, "I know I wrote those lyrics because I keep them in my lyrics file." And Jeremy fires back, "You can't remember jack shit because you're a crackhead with a brain made of Swiss cheese." <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I love like the violence with which Jeremy says this. Like it's this has been brewing for a long time. Like he's wanted to say that to Superhands for years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Superhands is really, Jeremy really beats him up verbally this episode. Yeah. Um, and then this is where Superhands says that he's uh, not anymore. He's straight edge. He walks the line. Molly won't even let me live stream the Spurs now. Um, and it, I just, I love, I love straight edge Superhands. I love Superhands in this series because it's the super hands he always should have been. Like he's a bit dapper. He's a bit. I like it when he works in the um, the bathroom place as well in the last series. Like I just feel like he's got his shit together now. Yeah, I do too. And uh, he tells he tells Jeremy to calm down, sit in the bath, have a magnum. <laughs> and as he walks by, Jeremy just says, "Wanker." <laughs> yeah, Again, this fuck is off, like hands. there's real violence in the way he calls him a wanker. Like it's this has been brewing for a long time. I know, he says that Hans is the fifth Beatle and he's the other four. <laughs> and Mark just says, you know, come on, Jez, let's go. Yeah, he said to go get to the, the kid cave. Um, and then, so Super Hans is driven off and, and Jeremy says that Hans is filed, the proof is in there. Um, and he, like, lifts up a flower pot and he gets the key and he's like, because I'm a genius, we went above average IQ, I've found this key and I'm going to, like, get us in the house. So he breaks it, not really breaks it, he lets himself in. Yeah. Uh, Mark says that it's, uh, it's like cracking Enigma, isn't it? And Mark says, looking under all the different flower pot, uh, all the other different flower pots, uh, they go inside the house and Mark is already trying to work on their excuse. And, um, Jeremy is like, they kind of do similar to what they did to Gog's house where they just go and fuck it up. Yeah. Um, revenge, the sexy man's justice, says Jez, which I think is a great line. I think maybe that should be put above the, uh. The dock in our courts of law, like revenge, the sexy man's justice. Yeah. Um, so they kind of Jeremy like swaps the different bags of cereal. Uh, he tells Mark to start swapping the CDs around. He's gonna lick all of Superhands' <laughs> apples and then put his bank card in the freezer. Yeah. Um, and Mark says he's going like fuck this, and uh, and Jez then says watch this, and he starts like trying to scoop up the goldfish with a little net and he's going to put the goldfish in the shreddies in, his, in the cereal and Mark's like 
is this your budget version of a horse's head in the bed? A free gift? And, and Jeremy says, this is the free gift in the cereal that's going to send him clinically insane. Yep, and then Mark just thinks unto himself, well, the IQ testing is complete. <laughs> um, and Mark also tells him to leave the snake alone, which he doesn't, but that's coming later. Yeah, little, little subtle, very subtle, very subtle there. Yeah, um, and then so Mark changes the subject and he says that if he could go back in time, maybe he wouldn't have actually split up with Sophie in the first place. And Jeremy asks him, well, where would you actually go if you could go back in time? Yeah, and uh, Mark, you know, lists out all the places he would go: Periclean, Athens, Egypt under Ramses the First, the Ziggurat of Ur, and Jeremy. Jeremy just wants to go back to the 1950s. Yeah, um, which Mark is completely can't believe. He says he's talking about seeing a civilization that's so unimaginably different from theirs, and Jeremy says, "Like me too. I'm thinking thick shakes, real fat burgers, big Chevys, cheerleaders." <laughs> Uh, he'd see the Rolling Stones and have a Coke. And Mark says, you can still do those things. <laughs> and Jeremy says, but yeah, we're talking about in their prime and drinking Coke out of a bottle. <laughs> Where would you go if you could go back? Oh my God. If I could go back in time anywhere. First, I would go to like 2009, Sean, and I would tell him to not fuck around. <laughs> Get your shit together, 2009, Sean. Yeah, get your shit together, 2009, Sean. You're going to fuck your life up for a couple years. <laughs> um, no, uh, let's see. I don't know. I think I would probably... I think I'd probably pull a mark and like want to go back and see what Rome was like. Yeah, Rome, Rome would be interesting, like, I think. I'd... I've always so I've got a bit of a soft spot for the like the Tudors. Love a bit of Henry the Eighth and all that stuff. Wolf Hall. So I think I'd like to go back to that. But I think that Mark's onto something when he says how cool it would be to see a civilization so different from our own. Like I've been to Pompeii, and that blew my fucking mind. Like to go to back to the like a Roman civilization and see how they did stuff would be amazing. Jeremy looks at the kid kid cave and just says, "Oh, so this is where we bring them now, the poor fuckers." And, or, sorry, I guess they're inside the kid, kid cave at this point, and Jeremy just says, this is where we bring them now, the poor fuckers. I mean, God, net them up, bag them, and tag them. And Mark says that it looks fun. You can have a cappuccino while they play. And Jeremy says, all I can think about is death. <laughs> Mark then says, it's better than the fucking park, mate. You really want to kill yourself at the park. And this is something something you're going you're gonna to learn soon, is the park is... It's where fun goes to die. Like... I, I'm a bit with Jez that like all I can think about is death at the park. It's just so grim. Parks are grim. And I don't know if it's to do with like the public nature of municipal parks in this country. Maybe American parks are fun, but there isn't, I just, I don't get it. Parks make me depressed. Now I'm depressed. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I was looking forward to taking our little scamp to a park and letting him, letting them run around and uh, there's something you know, you know it's fun it, when they're really tiny and it's like the first time there's a thread in it when you've done it 600 times in the past year and you've got to push that fucker on the swings for the, the 600 time and it's cold and a bit bleak you're not gonna you're not gonna feel that sunny joy you're thinking you're gonna feel now yeah i actually kind of had a similar experience to that earlier this year we were at my niece violet's birthday party mm. and i was pushing 
one of my nieces, Olivia, on a swing, and some little kid came over. I don't know this fucking kid is like, push me, and I'm like, <laughs> sure, yeah, and then he's like, help, help, and I was like, you need help getting on the swing, and he's like, yeah, and so I got him on the, I got him on the swing, and then I'm like using one arm to push Olivia, one arm to push this other little kid, and he's like, push me higher, and I'm like. Hey kid, I'm, I'm doing all the fucking work here. <laughs> like, don't tell me what to do, Jesus. Yeah, you Dickhead. always you always get one of those kids in the park as well. There's nothing to do with you, but they like they get in on your roundabout pushing or whatever, and you're like, mate, this is like a labor of love, and I'm not pushing this for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh. <sighs> Uh, Jeremy says, so, Sophie, are you going to pull on the iron underpants, tie your knob to the Bosch, and just run over your, run over with the Morphe Richards? And Mark says, it's a real three-piper. If I say yes, I'll regret it. That's certain claustrophobic, depressing, moldering resentment. Jeremy just says, the Corrigan classic. <laughs> but if he says no, he'll definitely regret it, too. Overwhelming feeling of regret, guilt, and sadness. And Jeremy says, the old familiar. And then we see Sophie come in with baby Ian. Yes, uh, Mark is tries to sort of, it feels like fake enthusiasm. He's like, oh, Ian, Ian, how you doing, little fella? Um, but he thinks in his head that Ian is basically uninterested in him. And Jeremy says, uh, hey there, little guy, high five, and the kid high fives him. And Mark's like, oh, the high five. Like the grey squirrel, it will drive the handshake into extinction, which <laughs> is just such a great British, like such a British thing to think. Are you a fist bump or a high fiver? Neither. I'm a handshaker. I'm English. God damn oh. it. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, if pushed, no, I would. Not, I would never do either. I don't. I've got. I've got a kind of uh, policy if I don't raise my hands above like armpit level. So I'm not gonna high five because that's. I feel very uncomfortable when my arms are up any higher than. Like I can't clap up high either. I just feel stupid. Do you know the uh, trick to a good high five? Go on. You look at the elbow. So you look at their elbow and that will help you get the, the, the hand, is that? Yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. If I ever do a high five, I'll remember that. Yep, you just look at the elbow and, yeah, it's great. It works out well. When do you do it? Like, it's... in what in everyday life, when are you when are you high-fiving or fist-bumping? I am a fucking high-fiving machine. Who are you high-fiving? My co-workers, all the time. Jesus Christ. I mean, this is like, this this here... This is the this is the weight of the Atlantic between us. Like, I would never high five. I'm not gonna high five my coworkers. That's the most in. I, I'm appalled by this. You're appalled that I like <laughs> to greet my coworkers with a high five. I'm not appalled by it, but like every bit of my Englishness now is like it's like the hairs on the back of my neck are up. Like I can't imagine like what you just walk into work and you like high five your your little mate. Well, they're not little mates. They're my like my age. It's not like we're a bunch of like grade schoolers or anything. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, hey, buddy, what's up? High five. Hey, girl, how you doing? Fist bump. Like, oh my god. So, if I see one of my, if I see one of my friends walking up and down, uh, walking up my aisle, and I'm on a phone call, I'll just put my hand out behind my back and I'll get it behind the back. High five. That is so American. You're so American. So I, I greet, <laughs> I greet my coworkers in the morning by walking into the office. And if it's and I generally it's a group of men in there, and I say morning ladies, and then I moan about something and say I need coffee. Like that's how I would not high five those people. This is 
Oh my god. Laura, next time you go to work, I want you to high five those motherfuckers. I'm gonna go in on, on Wednesday and I'm just gonna like go up to my boss and be like high five. I don't know what she'd do. I don't know what she'd do. I think she might start crying. Okay, so it's not like Oh my god, why I don't why are we I don't know why we're talking about this. This is crazy. <laughs> So it's not like I'm like high fiving like my boss and shit. It's like my like it, it's it's like you walk up to Phil and be like, "Hey Phil, what's up? High five. You know. I'm gonna clap. try that when I go downstairs now. After this, I'm gonna try that and I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet his reaction. Okay. Give your pizza delivery guy a high five. <laughs> when the Domino's man turns up at my door tonight, I'm gonna high five him. And if he doesn't, you call high the five police, the fuck out of yeah, him. Yeah, if he doesn't call the police, I'll I'll let you know what the reaction is. Oh my god, why are we? Talking? <laughs> I feel like this is one of our more epic uh, conversations, yeah, like right up there with. It's here. still a fucking pie. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so Jeremy then kind of he's obviously much better with with Ian than Mark is. He's much better with humans than Mark is, so that makes sense. And he says, "Come on, come on, Uncle Jeremy's going to put you in the rage cage." Um, love the term rage cage. When we were on holiday this year, there was a little like play area in the middle of the. The dining place where we'd eat our dinner and we christened it the rage cage and by the end of the holiday Sadie was like I want to go in the rage cage um and um so then Sophie Jez like takes Ian off and Sophie sidles up to Mark and says um what are you thinking cowboy the big offer happy families and Mark thinks that it's all about Ian he's got to do this for Ian and uh Mark says you know what I think we should do it and and Sophie's quite surprised but she says yeah like let's give it a go yeah fuck it why not yeah I think it might work um and she says do you think we'll be unhappy and Mark says very and Sophie like spits on her palm and says put it there partner and Mark thinks what this phlegm has put together let no man break asunder they have a little handshake yeah it's very funny do you think in this like fucked up family that Sophie's suggesting are they are they gonna be like together in the biblical sense like is is she expecting like a romantic relationship or is mark literally just gonna live in the house i mean i i have to think that they're they're probably gonna be banging oh it's just so grim i just can't poor poor mark poor mark and poor sophie why would you why would you want that that's horrible although it does sound like she's almost kind of proposing more like a threeism where it's like mark lives with her and duncan (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which would be interesting. I mean, that's a sitcom I would watch. I feel like that they would have to, uh, they would have to be banging. I almost feel like if this went on, like if this went on in an alternative peep show universe, like almost maybe she might want another baby, and this would be they'd have another baby, and like Mark would just be, he'd just be that he'd work at the seed factory and drink his red wine and just be watching his property shows, and probably that would be his life. Sophie mentions that she has to go and Duncan wants to have a drink, the total shit. And she also needs to phone her dad and tell him about Mark. And she mentions that her dad is going to piss blood. And um, Sophie, uh, Mark says, okay. And Sophie says, I want to cry and be sick at the same time. Do you? And Mark's like, no, no, I'm exciting. It's exciting, and Sophie, or in the Mark thinks to himself, "This is the first of a million little lies that we're going to be, that's going to make up our terrible relationship." Yeah. Um. So, Ian is now in the fun pit working the plastics, and um, he, uh, Mark goes, you know, sometime later, Sophie's gone, and he goes up to Jeremy and says that he 
accepted the offer. He said yes. Jeremy tells Mark that he is a stone-cold maniac. <laughs> and then he just sits down at this table and just starts eating some leftover fries. Yeah. And Mark's like, oh, leftovers. And Jeremy says he's broke. And Mark says, can you not just bank the YouTube money? And Jeremy says that's going to weaken his claim. The claim can't be weakened. Um, Mark then notices that something's moving in Jeremy's bag. And uh, after denying it briefly, Jeremy says that he realised he needed collateral to stop Superhands in his tracks. And Mark realises that Jez has taken the snake. And Mark is pretty appalled that Jeremy would bring a snake to a children's play centre. <laughs> And he asked Jeremy if it's venomous, and Jeremy says, eh, it's probably not. I picked it up with an oven glove, but it didn't look venomous. And Mark is just, like, appalled. It didn't look venomous. And he says that it looked perfectly chilled out when he put it in the bag, and Mark is worried because now that it's been combined, confined in a bag for a couple hours, how's it going to be feeling now? Yeah. Um, it's probably going to be a pissed-off snake. Um, so, just at this moment... Uh, April appears unexpectedly and says hi to Mark and he's surprised but obviously pleased to see her and he says what are you doing here she says she's sorry but she's had more time to think and you did ask me here um and introduces her niece Haley. and we meet Haley, and Haley is like just she's like an older kid that just happens to be uh happens to be April's niece that they just happened to need for this one episode yeah, you never hear about her again excuse, never heard about her before no, the excuse to get her at the kid cave um yeah jez then says he'll, he'll throw her in if you like and uh so this the jez goes off and this gives them the opportunity to um to to have a conversation uh, and then jez is on the phone to hands and he says uh come come to thornton heath and follow the screaming this is where you're gonna meet me April then mentions that she had a big talk with Angus last night and she says that he was okay, but he was writing to the Pope. He sometimes he thinks he might be able to heal the great schism and she go, continues and she says intellectually he's scintillating, but he's, he never take Coke and throw an iPad out the window. And Mark just is like, that's how I roll. I'm the Ferrari and he's the fucking Volvo. Uh, she then sort of looks at him coyly and asked him if he would like to do something rather naughty. And this is why I wanted to close the door, because I have done this before. <laughs> Not with <laughs> Nicole, but with somebody else. I have too. Equally not not with my husband, but not not when I was with him. Uh, but I didn't do. I wanted to say to you: Do you think that baby changing unit would take the way? I don't think that would work. No, no. not a hundred percent. No, this really bothered me because that is not how you do it. But uh, she, yeah, she says that she's going to take down the baby changing unit as a place to do this, um, and they're having a snog and. Um, Mark's thinking that he hopes Ian's okay with Jeremy and the snake um, and then he thinks no no be in the moment and he then breaks away to say he doesn't want to break the spell but should he go and buy some condoms which makes me laugh because where's he going to buy condoms in a children's play centre yeah I guess I never <laughs> thought about that either um, and then she says no it's fine it will be okay and I think I've mentioned this before but I never fail to be absolutely just completely flabbergasted by the amount of men that just don't take any responsibility for contraception because mark thinks here oh okay so she says it's going to be fine it's going to be okay and he thinks i wonder what kind of okay no baby okay or okay we're having a baby and in my experience there are too many men that think that way like just 
put something on the end of it, guys. That's my public service yeah. announcement for today. I, I like that. I, I imagine that Mark is just hoping for the good old spray and pray. <laughs> oh, in the public toilet is so grim. So grim. And every child's play centre I've been to, without exception, has been, like, sticky and the toilets are horrible because you've got a lot of toddlers using them. Like, again, not a sexy place. Yeah, we didn't... Uh, so my... I had, it was when I was in the military and my girlfriend was long distance and I flew back to Kansas for Christmas and I got to the airport as she was flying out to California for Christmas. And so we had this, like... Maybe about like hour and a half overlap. What are you gonna and do? And then we that's, just went and yeah, that's... yeah, we just went and banged one out in the family bathroom. <laughs> so I did it in. I mean, I've done it more than once. But I did it in a toilet on a train, like one of those. Like you don't know, you've not been on a train in Britain, I expect. But like they have these big, like on southwestern trains, and like looking back, Jesus, I haven't got the energy for that sort of shit these days. But it seemed like a good I, idea I... at the time. I may edit some of this out, but uh, <laughs> were you not, like, at all concerned that, like, people would see you and him coming out of the bathroom on the train, or did you just not give a fuck? Oh, I didn't, I didn't give a fuck. I was, I was young and stupid. This was the same boyfriend that, it was on the same trip, but not the same trip on the train. He had a, oh god, I hope he's not listening. He was really allergic to nuts, or to almonds, and he accidentally ate something with almonds in, and he started to go into anaphylactic shock, and he said... He didn't tell me. I mean, it was stupid. They didn't tell me. But he went to the to the toilet on the train and tried to make himself sick, I think, to, like, stop the, the shock. And I realised something was wrong. So I took his EpiPen that he had in his bag and I had to give him his EpiPen in the toilets as well. So probably we're on, we were on CCTV, like, how we went arrested on that trip, I don't know. But between, <laughs> between sex in the toilet and me administering his fucking anaphylactic shock medicine, it was just, it was eventful. Wow, that's crazy. This was this was the bin burner, like was, yeah. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot more stories where they came from. I tell you. Well, maybe we'll get some more of those during uh, <laughs> the, the in between. Yeah. <laughs> it's this is not one of my proudest moments in my life, but it was definitely something that was like very fun. Uh, you know, was... we've, we've all been there when you're young. I think most people have probably done similar, probably, or we're perverts. Yeah, which is this is always like. Every time I watch this episode, I just think about hooking up in the bathroom at the airport. <laughs> so, yeah, this happens and they, yep, yeah, they they do the deed and then they come out and uh, says, you know, that was fun, and which is so Mark to say something like that. Mark says that was fun, as Laura said, and then he says, and does it mean, and April kind of cuts him off and says, I think it means something, and Mark is happy, he's like, lovely something, and then he sees Jeremy, and he's like, oh my god, he's gone totally mental, and he explains to April that he's trying to save money to spend on a never-ending court battle, and April says something about jaundice? Jaundice versus jaundice, which is... This is my. I was pleased to hear this as an English reference. Uh, he's. Uh, it's a court case in Bleak House. It like the 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 plot of Bleak House centers around this court case that goes on and on and on, and that's like a meaning it will never end. It will be a court case that never ends. Oh, okay. And uh, Mark Mark thinks that uh, you know he really really loves uh, April at this point. 
Uh, Jeremy then comes over and says that Haley is feeling a bit under the weather. Yeah, she says uh, she's not feeling very well. Um, and, uh, like, oh, it's, it's, she's, she said she wanted you. And, and, and April then says she'll take her up some fresh air. Um, and Jeremy's like, where the hell were you? And Mark is, he tells, he tells her what's happened and he's clearly a little bit proud about it. Yeah, he, he just says that they banged one out in the disabled Lou, and <laughs> Jeremy is just like, you are on fire today. Shall I alert all the other women in here in case you try and hump or them or move in with them? And then he's like, so what are you thinking? Sophie or April? Uh, yeah, and he Mark just says it's got to be April. Like, it was always April. Um, he says him and so- Sophie and Ian, it was a crazy scheme. It would probably do him so much harm. So immediately, M- Mark's trying to justify it in his own head, like, that this this can't happen yeah and uh and then he's like oh my god where's ian and uh jeremy just says like i don't know and then mark starts getting upset and he says i thought you were keeping an eye on him and jeremy points out that he is not a professional child minder mark <laughs> and then he takes a little swipe at Mark and says, I probably don't have a high enough IQ anyways. Yeah, and Mark says the least that you could have done was keep an eye on Ian while at I, and he sort of trails off and, and Jeremy's like, while well, you hump someone else's wife in the disabled loot, and Mark hasn't got a leg to stand on, so he does drop it. Uh, but then at this point, we see Sophie on the horizon and she's clearly drunk and Jeremy says, oh, something wonky this way comes. <laughs> I love that line. Um and Mark is not prepared for this right now. He does not want to really have to deal with Sophie because he is just basically wanting, uh, he's wanting to tell Sophie that he does not want to move in with her yeah. anymore. Um, and he's thinking to himself that we never talked, the deal never happened. Um, and she she comes over to Mark and he's like, have you been drinking? And she's like, what, am I not allowed to drink now? Like Mark's booze patrol. And he thinks, oh, she just loves wine. Um and he said, she says that she had a ding dong with Duncan. He's off back to Alison and their little fuck me Mazda. But I haven't got a Mazda. I've got a fucking Micra. And she says, I've made my decision. Dad might think it's mental. Everyone might think it's mental. And Mark thinks to himself, it's definitely mental. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries to be nice here. And he tells, uh, he tells Sophie, like, look, why don't I call a cab and you can go home and we can have a big chat about everything later. And Sophie is just completely oblivious to this. And she just tells Mark to cool his heels and let's have a coffee and he says no he's got to find ian um i left him with jez like he's gone missing and she's, she's sort of shouting at ian and she's like oh for god's sake relax it's not like he's on the m25 which is <laughs> another I, great line when you first have a child and i'm sure i'll probably experience this too you're like just so paranoid that like everything is going to kill your child oh yeah and then you just kind of you just kind of get to this point where you're like yeah as long as he's not eating poison like He'll probably be okay. Yeah, like, when I think back to how I was... I mean, I was very anxious with Sadie. So when Sadie was born initially, I think it was probably a combination of the hormones and, like, not having enough sleep. And I didn't sleep for, like, five days or something mad like that. But I was, like, exactly like you say, just, like, everything could kill her. Like, oh, my God, then let me take her back to this house where, like, everything in it has the ability to kill her. And now... When I like, and then when Esther was born, I was completely different. And now I think sometimes, like exactly like you say, like as long as they're not eating poison, it's all good. Like it's fine. They're fine. They yeah. they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. As long as they're not, you know, doing 
dangerous they stuff. can't get to the knives <laughs> you know, that's the, yeah. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Childproof your house, everything will be fine. Exactly. We see later Mark and Sophie still at the kid cave. They've sort of crawled in, haven't they, into the little, one of the little tunnels. Yeah, he's crawling into the little thing and he's like calling for Ian, Ian, and he's just saying, oh, this is murder on my back. And Sophie is just like so drunk, she just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, and he says, what if he's hurt himself? And she's like, no, you show me a sharp corner. And he says, what if she, he's wandered out through an emergency exit? And she says, no, they lock them all, which... Uh, which Mark is absolutely appalled at. I'm not sure this is true, but at our local play centre, there is a like a door, like a fire door, and it's got this like grill in front of it. And I, the grill's there, I think, because they open it in hot weather to let some air in. But I was there recently thinking, if a fire happened, could I remove this grill or have they actually blocked the fire exits? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> um and then Sophie says that she's going to have a little lie down because she's tired and she sort of she sort of lays and she there's a ramp and she just she sort of slides into the ball pit. This fucking makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> it's a, it's I, a stellar piece of acting from Olivia Coleman. The way she sort of just goes rigid and, and lets herself slide down is brilliant. Oh, it is just so funny. I like if you don't watch any part of this episode, watch this watch Olivia Coleman just sliding into the ball pit because it'll just make you laugh every single time. Um, and uh, he says, okay, you have a little lie down in the ball pit. I'll find Ian and we'll have a big chat about everything. A big chat. And he thinks a big chat during which I'll reverse out of our agreement as elegantly as a man back in his car into the entire pendulum <laughs> of the Tour de France. That's really funny. <laughs> um, so at this point, Super Hands has showed up at uh, the Kid Cave and Hans says that he spoke to Molly, and she thinks you're a dong, slippery like a real sketchy fucker. And Jeremy says that he thinks Molly is a two is a small minded, two faced buzz killing machine. But then Hans continues, and he says, "Well, she told me I needed to man up and have the credits changed." And Jeremy says, "But she's decent, though. She's decent. <laughs> she is. I've always said that." Um. So he says, "Super Hans says he made the call." And Jeremy's so pleased to to see that he's on it, like he shows in the video and his name's now on it. And he says, oh, well, they found some more web space after all then. And uh, and, and Hans just, I mean, even Hans looks embarrassed at this lie. He's like, oh, yeah, they must have deleted some old photos or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so then Jeremy kind of wants to know, like, uh, have you been to your house since we... Uh, have you have we been to your house since we spoke and Han says no and Jeremy says that they broke in looking for evidence and I sort of killed your fish and Hans just looks like really upset and he's like you killed Flop? Jesus Christ. Flop was one of the good guys. He was old school. I always liked Flop. I am um, I enjoy though here I've made it my notes I've, I've underlined where Jeremy says about he broke in looking for evidence and killed his fish. And I kind of feel like the way he just says this proves like almost an honesty with hands that he never has with Mark. Like he he knows he's done wrong, but almost maybe because Hans is such a sketchy fucker himself, maybe they have got a more honest relationship than Jez and, and Mark have got. And I sort of enjoy that even though he's done this bad thing, he tells Super Hands. And Super Hands is sad about Flop, but he's not He's not even that upset that it's happened. Yeah, he, he gets over flop pretty quickly. Yeah, and then Jess says that he's done another thing he shouldn't have done. And Hans is like, not flip as well. 
<laughs> and uh, Jeremy grabs his bag to hand Superhands back his snake, but then he realizes that the snake got out, and he's thinking to himself, where's the fucking snake? And um, Hans is like, well, what, what, what else did you do? And Jeremy pulls a like an orange bag out and he says, I, I've stolen this. And Hans like, oh, no, don't worry, that's fine. And Jeremy thinks, uh, Jeremy says, well, this costs money, and I wanted to give it back to you. And but in his head, he's thinking, where's the fucking snake? This, is, this made me laugh because this was about the time that they started charging for carrier bags in this country. Do you have to pay for your carrier bags now? Oh my god! So when we went to Chicago, we had to. Um, again, because America is like really big into states' rights, it's up to each individual state on if they charge right, for bags. Okay. Or not. How much did you have to pay for carry bags in in Chicago? Thirty fucking cents a bag. Well, that's, that seems a lot. We pay five p. I, I think that's probably you're paying more than we are for our for our bags. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Oh, so we move to Mark thinking about how he's lost his child. He's a terrible human in every single aspect. And Jeremy comes over and tells him that Hans just, just caved. We won. And Mark's like, oh, he doesn't, doesn't seem too bothered. Um, but Jeremy says the only downside to this is that the snake has escaped. Jeremy says, oh, I can't believe he would do that and uh, that he's so sneaky. And then Mark is just like, yeah, who could believe a snake could be so duplicitous? <laughs> They're so famously reliable snakes. <laughs> um, and Jeremy says the good news is he Googled it and they're like completely not venomous. And, uh, and Mark says that's so reassuring. And he's like, he's still sort of looking through in the tunnels. And Jeremy's like, what are you doing? And Mark says he's still looking for Ian. He can't find him anywhere. There's so many bloody kids. Um, I need some way to get them all out. Maybe I need to shout fire or I can tell the staff that you were some kind of famous pedo. <laughs> 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 which again this seems like normally kind of the thing that jeremy would be all about but uh this time he does not uh he is not down with being called a pedo no not at all and uh mark's like well you're so free about labels and it's like hey, you don't mind a bit of a bad boy rep and it's like mm, yeah maybe not he says he's gonna need to talk to sophie about this and jeremy notices that she is still a she's asleep now in the pulpit and he says she might be balls deep i think um and they notice that she's out cold. And then April comes through the door and, and Mark thinks, or no, sorry, when Mark says, I can't let my sort of wife, who I've sort of agreed to get back together with, see April. Like, that's not going to end well. And so they decide to bury Sophie in the ball pit. And this is also a very funny scene as well, too. Yeah, they say, uh, Jeremy says that you could bury the body. And they start, Mark starts to sort of gently throw balls at her and Jeremy's like if you're gonna do it let's do it and an avalanche of balls starts to cover her body yeah it's really goddamn funny too they're like they're burying her really really deep in this uh in this ball pit and uh Jeremy is worried that Sophie won't be able to breathe if they bury her face and Mark is like oh what I not worried about it I think air holes will be plenty <laughs> yeah they're numerous he, then he's like just push her head down a bit it's poking up and um, they finish burying her and you can barely see her and then Mark gets out and he sees Ian and he wonders if Ian witnessed the burial. Yes, which he almost certainly did, but he doesn't seem, if he did, he doesn't seem too traumatised by it. Um, there, um, he says he looks okay and Mark thinks, yeah, that's right, son, push it down, my pension can go into your therapy. Um, Jeremy <laughs> says, hey there, little buddy, and like does a little high five again. And, uh, and April 
says, you know, comes over and says that Haley's fine now, but she was babbling something about a snake. And Mark laughs it off and is like, oh, well, let's get out of here. Like, come back to mine for a glass of wine. Um, and they, he sort of ushers her out towards the, the exit. And uh, and April says that she just wanted to say she's really glad that she came to see you. Um, and for just a moment, it seems like maybe Mark's life is going to be okay. But then we hear, Mark, Mark, <laughs> coming from the ball pit. And Sophie has kind of risen back to life like a, a zombie. <laughs> and a zombie. She, <laughs> zombie in she, she asks Mark, like, why did you bury me? <laughs> and Mark says, I didn't bury you. And she's like, quite matter of fact. And she's like, if you didn't want to move in after all, you didn't have to bury me. You just send a fucking text. And April obviously is confused by this. And Mark, once again, Mark has completely played his hand wrong and manages to fuck everything up. Yeah, I like when he says that she's probably just some homeless ball pit witch been there for a month. <laughs> um, so they they go to leave and uh, Jeremy says that it doesn't really feel quite right to leave a snake in the child's soft play area. Um, and Mark says that burying uh, your wife alive just has such an unfortunate ring about it. Maybe we should leave a note, says Jeremy. Mark asks what, saying, sorry, snake. <laughs> And, yeah, we get the end of this episode. Yeah, and that is the end of the penultimate episode. So, as far as your ratings go, what are the only two numbers we have left? Oh, you're still there. You cut out a bit there. Yeah, what are the two numbers that uh, we have so left on your ratings? the two numbers that we have left are number 38 and number 50. Oof, that's a... Oof, that's a... Wow, 38 and 50. Mm. I'm going to say 38 because I feel like that uh, Are We Going to Be Alright is probably 50. Yeah, it's 38 and exactly that. And I'll talk I'll talk more next week about why I don't dislike Are We Going to Be Alright. And I think it ends where it should end, but it doesn't do anything particularly funny. So, it, you know, there are other episodes. Uh, that uh, should we'll, come we'll, 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 we'll get there next week. We'll get there next week. <laughs> but like, this is, yeah, it's that, yeah. I mean, it's a leave solid. The public guessing. It's a solid, amusing episode that didn't rock my world, but it's got some funny moments in it. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. And as time has come along and I am now prepared to face fatherhood, this episode has, like, a much more deeper meaning to me. Yeah, it's. Uh, don't leave your kid in a in a kid cave with a snake. There you go. That's the that's the parenting advice you should take from this. So let's hear all about the London Podfest, where next year hopefully we will have a booth or something. Yeah, we were me and Phil were talking about this. So me and Phil went to it yesterday, and Phil was like, "You could totally be in this, but like, how would what would you do with Sean?" And I was like, "Oh, if he couldn't be there." He'd have to be on Skype. <laughs> that was very. Yeah, you could just get a computer monitor or something, and you could just Skype, and I could just do yeah, it. Yeah, we were planning, but it, remotely. you know, it looked really interesting, and I kind of wish I'd been more on the ball because they have had kind of like workshops for podcasting, and I really think it's something that oh. like maybe be worth doing next year. I'm um, finding out more about because they. I mean, it was really, it was a really good night. So uh, I went to the Griefcast live with Carrie Ad Lloyd. Um, at King's Place of, in, Peep, Show of Peep Show fame um, at King's Place in King's Cross and we uh, so she was she had some guests so she had Andrew Hunter from uh, sorry Andrew Hunter Murray from um, the podcast uh, oh, what's it called it's, he was a QI elf so you get QI over there right yeah it's on uh, Hulu I think have you ever um, watched it 
No. Okay, so he was a QI elf. So do you know the premise of QI? Not particularly, I'm sorry. So like to to win QI you have to you have to come up with like the most obscure answer. So it's like it's it's kind of like a, a game show in reverse. And Andrew Hunter Murray was one of the researchers on this who they called the QI elves. And he's got his own podcast now. It's called uh no such thing as a fish which is i've heard it a couple of times it's quite funny he's been on radio four um the other guests were erin gibson who's a female american comedian and dame baptiste who is he's a, a guy from east london who's doing some stuff on bbc3 very funny and they just kind of it was just them having a conversation really about death and like our attitudes to death um phil my husband was you know like he bought the tickets for my birthday and he was like oh this isn't really going to be my thing but like i'll go with you but he said he, he really laughed and it was really it was a really nice night so like there was a bit of audience participation and people were talking about how the podcast had um like affected their their relationship with death and and a few questions were asked and and it was just it was just really interesting and it was really nice and Carrie lloyd seems like a really like a, just a really interesting rounded entertainer like she's a comedian clearly but she's clearly got a lot of other stuff to say and and Griefcast like I've talked about this before but Griefcast is it's genuinely like you see the point of of the medium of like a podcast because you hear these conversations these intimate conversations that people are having and I've genuinely like over the year and a half I've been listening to it I genuinely have laughed and cried in my kitchen listening to these podcasts and and it just was like that. It was just like an intimate conversation between these people with 200 other people in the room. And they recorded it for the podcast. So it's going to be coming out. It's a live edition that's going to be coming out like the week after next. And it's worth a listen because it was a really interesting conversation. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I know that you've mentioned it before and I uh, have not listened to it. It's one of but... those things that's like, it just doesn't sound very appealing. Like to say, oh, it's comedians talking about death just sounds like, well, I'll, I'll give that a go when I've listened to every other podcast ever. And definitely Phil was very much in that mindset. And then we listened to Robert Popper who uh, wrote Friday Night Dinner. He he was on it a couple of months ago and we were on a long car journey and we listened to it together. And he was like, oh, wow, like this is actually not what I thought it was going to be. So I think it's worth a listen because it's it's not it's not sad. Or it's, sometimes it's sad, but that's not all it is. It's kind of like the dollop. I got my wife listening to the dollop. I just, we were on a long car ride and I was like, fuck it, we're listening to the dollop. <laughs> yeah, sometimes if you're on a long car journey, that's the best place to introduce people to new podcasts. That's where Phil introduced me to Doug Stanhope on a long car journey. So yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's definitely a good way. Um, so yeah, that was really good. great. And if you are, it's still going on for the next uh, week or so, I believe. And if you're in London and you've got access to to getting down there, definitely have a look and see what else is on. I know Monkey Tennis were there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, their tickets are very affordable. Like I think our tickets were a tenner, so it's not you know, it's it's minimal money to to go and take part in it. Um, so yeah, really interesting. And like you say, next year definitely would look into doing a workshop or something it was really good oh it's awesome it sounds incredible i'm really glad you got to you know go experience that yeah sounds i mean awesome. it is we were talking about this last night and saying how lucky we are to have like all this stuff on our doorstep like we don't appreciate london enough we probably should be nicer about it but it was it was, it was, <laughs> it was one of the things where you think oh i'm glad i live in london this was an incredible evening you know it was it was really good um but no other than that i've been 
I've been watching The Bodyguard on BBC One, which probably you've not heard about at all, but has been creating a massive buzz over here. And I recommend you watch it. I think you would really enjoy it. It's on iPlayer at the moment. And it centers around an ex-military uh, guy who becomes a bodyguard for a, a member of parliament. And it is, it's edge of your seat stuff. I watched it all. I watched all three, no, all four episodes that were available on Friday night when Phil was out. And I was like, I was just blown away. It's brilliant. I've been watching uh, the new season of BoJack Horseman came out and it's been phenomenal. And uh, what season are they on to with that now? Uh, five. Ah, and it's been good, has it? Has it all come out in one go, or is it like they bring in... Yeah, yeah, they just did the Netflix uh, binge episode dump. Ah, cool. I mean, I will get around uh, to watching that one day. Probably, like, years after everyone else has. Yeah, Keelan and I are... Uh, I'm going to be going back on Keelan's show to talk about it. It's one of those... So now Sadie's at school, like, Esther's a lot less to handle, and in the day... I'm going to have some time on my days off. And I, I've been thinking like, oh, this will be, give me a good chance to catch up on shows. I've not had a chance to watch it. Maybe that's been on my list for such a long time. Um, it does. It, I mean, it, I, it, it sounds great. I couldn't really get into it what I watched, but I feel like it's something that maybe I have to like break through on. You know, I, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday because I was saying, I feel like a lot of people watch this show. I just don't know any of them. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> It really bums me out because the show is so good. It's just, it's a really hard sell to people because it is such a weird show. Yeah, that's what I got. Like, not that I'm against weird stuff, like, not at all. But I just, I, I don't know, maybe I wasn't in the right headspace for it. And it was like, I need to, I need to sit down and properly, like get into this you know what i mean because everyone does say such nice things about it mm -hmm. they're mad for it over on uh, reddit the message board that i go to has kind of a reddit ish uh history so i could i could well reddit came from the place i go to but there's some similar views between reddit and the place that i go to mm. but i it's just it's one of these shows where i just watch an episode and i'm like wow wow what a fucking episode there's i don't want to spoil it you have said such emphatically good things about it but it's it's hard isn't it like we're all busy and it's like it's that it's get, getting into it is that hook once you're hooked it's fine but the sitting down and getting yeah. into it is the problem one of the episodes this season is a 26 minute monologue by will arnett as bojack and the entire episode is just basically Bojack talking and you don't, there's no other characters and it just, it builds and builds and builds over like about 24 minutes and it is really good. I mean, it does sound, it sounds weird and I do like weird. So yeah, I do think this is something I need to give my time to. <laughs> um, so as we said a couple times, this is our penultimate episode, next week being the last episode. And so for next week's episode, we really just want to hear from you guys about what you think about Peep Show, what you, you know, if you have favorite podcast memories, like favorite conversations, uh, 
you know, your top five episode rankings. Yeah, it'd be really interested to hear what people's rankings are and to see if they're in any way similar to mine because I I love season one so much and never got to talk about it and I've put a lot of series one but then a lot of like a lot of fans seem to think series one was just weird so I'd be really interested to hear other people's top fives. Yeah, so we really want we really want to hear uh, more as much from you guys as you can. Um, obviously the easiest way is to just DM us directly on Twitter. You can uh, message us on Facebook. Uh, we have an email address. Uh, L dude bro pod. Yeah. L dude. Oh gmail. Jesus. What a horrible email address. Why did I pick this? <laughs> it's L dude bros. So B R O S. And then the word podcast all spelled out. So L dude bros podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So and I'm gonna do I'm email gonna do a us. bit of a social media push this week to try and get uh try and get some engagement because I've been I've taken my eye off the ball with that a little bit. But it's gonna be just I I was thinking I'm gonna feel very emotional. As I did when I watched the final episode for the first time. I remember feeling very emotional and I'm gonna feel emotional all over again. I, that's how I feel too, that it's uh it's quite a man, I mean it's just it's so weird, you know, this show started out one way, and then it went a totally different direction, and then, you know, uh, I'm sure we'll get into it next week, but, you know, through this, through the power of this format, two people from completely different walks of life met each other, became friends, and uh, it's, it's been quite an experience. So we did a thing, we, we did really a wanted... thing, and I, it's, uh, I feel quite proud that we've done, done a thing, and we've got to the end of peep show and almost and it's uh yeah i'm getting a bit emotional talking about it now so let's stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> but seriously uh if you want to send us like however you want to get in contact with us is fine uh if you want to send us mail like physical fucking <laughs> mail i will like dm you my address and you can you can write me mail. Although if you're from England, it may be easier to send yeah, Laura mail, yeah, but she mine. may not be as cool giving out her address as I am. That is fine. I don't so, mind giving out my address. So yeah, I trust the peep show community and plus try getting in here. It's like Fort Knox. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're, uh, I'm really excited for the episode next week. It's, it's going to be really fucking fun. Yeah. It's going to be really fucking crazy. And, and, I'm, and I am very excited to move on to the in-betweeners. I think I'm really excited for you to see. I know you've seen the first series, but I'm really excited for you to experience this whole new show, which I know is, is brilliant. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. And I'm really excited for that. So, you know, I think there's going to be more fun ahead. I fucking love Peep Show. Uh, I think it's great. I'll be kind of glad that I don't really have to think about it for a little while. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? I was saying this to my husband. So I just like permanently have peep show on my on a loop on netflix like if i have it on in the background like it's it's my sort of background <laughs> thing and he was like do you think you're gonna stop this now or are you gonna carry on and i just recently started re-watching the thick of it and we watched it together and the thick of it has started to be my background thing and i was like oh i guess the in between this is gonna be my background thing now and i agree with you that like it'll be quite nice to not have peep show as my permanent thing because then i can i can go back to enjoying it just as a like a fan rather than someone who's trying to like 
d- d- deep dive into each episode, and it'll be it'll be weird to go back to it that way. But I don't think I'll ever. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever quite watch it in the same way. I think I'll always remember the conversations we had now, and maybe maybe that's going to add a different an extra layer of enjoyment for me, perhaps. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel too. And um, you know, it's been really amazing this whole experience. It was weird when, you know, when I started it out, uh, like I said, it went, you know, it was going to be 54 episodes, one episode every week. So I was looking at, like, basically we were looking about, you know, a year and two weeks um, as it is August and (laughs) we'll be finishing in, or I guess it's September, rather, as it will be finishing in September, you can see... It took us a lot longer than 54 weeks to do it, but um, you know we also took some downtime and personal time in there, so this is understandable. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching the episode with you next week and doing the podcast and yeah, it's really seeing what people think of it. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see when you have the baby. Not you're you're not having the baby. But when you have the baby, if that like affects your podcasting, I'll be interested to see if like we're going to be able to get together as regularly when the baby's first around. I don't know. Oh, I will. Don't worry. I'll I'll make time for (laughs) you. You'll make time. The baby might have other ideas. I'm just saying. But um, it'll be great. It'll be great for your baby to be the one making noise on the track and not mine. (laughs) That's what I'm looking forward to more than anything. Oh, I know. It'll be it'll be great. It'll be uh I'll be like, hey, hey. <laughs> Shh. We, we've all got to know uh Sadie and Esther and their little voices and we're gonna get to know another little voice soon, which is cool. Well, in like a maybe when we're finishing up in betweeners will will be when they're old enough to start talking. Yeah, and... yeah. Yeah. But uh I'm really looking forward to the episode next week. I'm looking forward to the podcast next week and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from here on out. Me too. So, uh, with that surprising emotional ending, <laughs> this is the El Dude Brothers signing off. Uh, eh, eh, um, goodbye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,